0: Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you'll hear from career experts from different fields of career management who will share their wisdom about best practices designed to help you find, advance, or change your desired. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman.
1: Welcome to the first broadcast of Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. This morning, our guest is Jeff Dunn a gentleman with extensive experience as a recruiter who will share strategies for being a top candidate in your next job search. For the past 20 years, I have empowered people to launch and advance their careers. Clients come to me because they have not been offered a job or promotion and want to know why. The answer is usually the same. They have worked hard at advancing their employer's goals, but have not spent much if any time advancing their career. I feel everyone should have the career they want and know that it is possible to master the strategies necessary to make that happen. I want you to give yourself permission to spend the next hour discovering ways to advance your career. So when the opportunity for an exciting new job or promotion comes along, you will be a competitive candidate. Enough about me for right now. Let us get to our amazing guest. I first met Jeff when I was the director of career services for a small business college. Jeff came to speak to our soon-to-be graduates about how to be a competitive candidate. His practical advice and encouraging words helped a lot of our students land their first jobs and launch their careers. When I started thinking about who to ask to be on this podcast, I knew I wanted Jeff to be my first guest. I wanted to launch Career Central with a guest who had a comprehensive understanding of what it takes to be a top candidate at any level of an organization. Jeff... Welcome to Career Central, and thank you for agreeing to be my very first guest. Great to be with you, Lorraine, and congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. But I know that um, our listeners want to get right into what you have to share, your secrets for, for success for candidates. So during job search, a lot of people hear the word recruiters and name recruiters. Why don't you share with us what recruiters do?
2: Sure. Well, first and foremost, recruiters want to fill open jobs that the employers have. Uh, Most of them are current immediate openings, and sometimes they are jobs that are anticipated in the future and they want to build up a pipeline. So if a recruiter is doing all the work, meaning kind of the full life cycle of recruiting, they're sourcing talent, they're screening talent, they're selecting who they want. And then most importantly, from the employer's perspective, they're selling, they're convincing the candidate to say yes to a potential job offer.
1: Now Jeff, I think over the years you've been what we would call an internal, can, uh, internal recruiter. Is that correct?
2: Yes, yes. I usually work for one company at a time as opposed to a, an external recruiter or headhunter.
1: So just so our audience knows, what is an external recruiter?
2: So an external recruiter is brought in usually for hard to fill jobs. Uh, They're on some kind of a commission structure and they either work for themselves or for a headhunting or staffing agency. And they're contracted to an employer to fill a particular niche position.
1: So it would be fair for um, our listeners, if they were approached by a recruiter recruiter, to ask if they were an uh, internal or external recruiter, would that be a good idea?
2: Absolutely. You want to know if the person is paid by the organization as a salaried person that has direct access to the hiring managers and maybe can advocate for you in that way for multiple positions within the company versus an external recruiter who's trying to get a commission fee and place you in a particular company. And if that doesn't work, you might want to know if they're uh, working with or representing other employers.
1: So Jeff, you've spent your career finding qualified candidates. How do you find them? Well, finding them is only
2: part of it, of course, but I find them through um, employee referrals. I'm on LinkedIn every single day. Uh, Most uh, companies will have a database of candidates that you can start from. Um, I go to events in in normal times. Uh, During a pandemic period, I'm on social media even more than, than usual. But finding them is only part of it for a recruiter. You also have to qualify them. You have to ask them questions to see if, Uh, they're a fit for the particular jobs that you're looking for.
1: So let's jump into that whole qualification. What makes a, a candidate qualified in your eyes?
2: So Lorraine, there's really two categories. First of all, you're looking at functional experience. So does the person have the relevant experience, either as a people manager or in, in a technical or functional capacity, have they been doing the job or similar jobs for a certain number of years? And do they have experience with certain tools or processes? Then there's the whole idea of, is it a good fit with the employer? And that speaks to the, the interpersonal skills, the soft skills. So are you adaptable? Do you collaborate and work well on teams? Uh, are you, do you have a high sense of urgency? Do you communicate well? So it's both the functional skills and then the the people skills, which I think are at least half of the equation of a successful candidate.
1: Let's go back a little bit and talk about social media because you're right, right now um, during this pandemic, people just aren't going to, to mixers, to events, you know, colleges aren't having career affairs. So social media is becoming a much more important part of this job search and presenting yourself as a good candidate. So- When you go out looking at social media, what are you looking for? So
2: I'm looking for a couple things. Uh, I want to see, usually I'm searching by keywords to try to narrow down to the profiles, say on LinkedIn, for example, of of people that might have experience or might be uh, related to the things I'm looking for or might know people that are. Um, I'm also looking at some record of success. You know, are they... An expert in their field? Are they doing blogs or podcasts? Are they connected to a lot of people? Are they endorsed by a lot of people? So I'm scanning the whole profile to just see what makes them tick. And in particular, their summary statement, I want to know what they've done, what they've accomplished. um, If they're looking or open to looking, you know, what are they looking for? Um, Think of it as similar to a cover letter. It's like, do I wanna contact this person and have a further conversation?
1: So how can our listeners do a good job? And I know that that summary and the resume, that about section in LinkedIn is so important, but a lot of people start it and it's just like they stare at a blank page and they go, what should I write? So what kinds of things, you know, should our listeners include in those summaries and those about sections?
2: So a couple things, and, and the summary is so important because that's usually the first screen on a phone or a, a tablet device, and if you don't like something that you see there, you may not even read, read along further. But typically, if you can encapsulate your experience, so I've got over 10 years of work experience, or over eight years of IT experience, or over six years of supervisory experience, that gives you a starting point. Then you can talk about uh, maybe some of the successes you've had on projects or uh, saving a company money. Uh, you could talk about a few of your soft skills, like known to be very detail-oriented or known to be very accurate or hardworking, a few of the soft skills. Um, if you've got certifications, people have these you know alphabet soup next to their name. I'm a certified Cisco engineer or a certified uh you know, PMP, if they've got some some academic credentials, they can put those in there. Give the the reader enough information to say, if this looks like someone that's accomplished, I wanna have a conversation with them.
1: This is a comment that I often get from my clients when they start to write these. I don't wanna brag about myself. And what would you tell them about that concept that they're bragging It's it's a great
2: question. Um, I believe it was Michael Jordan that said, "It ain't bragging if you can back it up." So I give people permission to promote what they legitimately can do. Um, If someone is particularly modest or humble, uh, I will say, "What would your former supervisor say about you? What do people that know you well? How would they describe you in a word or a phrase?" And suddenly, people get a little more comfortable instead of saying. I manage projects very effectively they would say well people that know me would say that I'm good at project management that I always you know meet my commitments I meet my deadlines and suddenly in the third person it seems a little safer um, and of course at some point you're probably going to have your references checked so just pr- if someone says tell me about yourself pretend they're saying what would your how would your supervisor describe you in three words that sometimes opens it up a little bit to uh, feel more comfortable in sharing what you legitimately deserve to share in terms of marketing yourself.
1: I know another thing that um, my clients often say is, well, I want to write something really generic so that everybody will think that I'm a great employee. And I always advise them to be specific and talk about their specific successes. Now, how do you feel about that?
2: So I have this running joke when I do presentations, I, I ask people if, if someone were to say, to, uh, if a gentleman were to go to, up to a lady and say, I need a date, I'll go out with anyone, people laugh and say that would be kind of ridiculous, and it would sound a little bit desperate. Um, but truthfully, to an employer, you don't want someone that says, hey, I need a job. I just want to get my foot in the door. I'll do anything. That's not the right approach. Tell me what your first choice is. Pretend that you are going to get the job, and it's going to be a great salary. Now tell me what you want to do. So as more that you can target what you're doing, if you say, I want to be an IT manager for a large company in the Sacramento area working on network security, that helps me narrow down to, oh, I know these companies are hiring or I know Mary, talk to her, use my name. She might be needing someone with your skill set." Then you're not wasting the time of my network. Then I have some idea that you're going to Be successful. That you know, that's a job that would make sense, versus just, "Hey, help me find a job." You know, these people, Mm -hmm. your your friends and and recruiters, they're not paid to find you a job. They're paid to fill the jobs that they have. So tell me what your first choice is, and if I have that, we have a great chance to to get together. And if you're finding that that's not available, you can always have a second choice. But in general, you want to be as specific as you can to appeal to the, the the best people.
1: Okay, so um, I think what you're saying, which I say too, is people really can't help you unless you tell them what you want to do.
2: Yeah, and and what you're good at. What you're good at and what you like to do often go hand in hand. Not always, but in general, if you are good at something, you're going to like it. And I find that what's compelling in in most cases is if you can tell me how you're going to save my organization money, you've got my complete attention. It's not about doing the tasks, it's about getting the results. And and in most cases, unless you're in sales, it's about how are you gonna save me money and more than pay for your your compensation.
1: I know one of the things you mentioned is that you look at resumes and that you look at the summary, but what else um, helps a a candidate stand out in your mind um, in terms of what they include in their resume?
2: Sure, so you gotta remember that recruiters are looking at hundreds and hundreds of resumes. So and, and their database could have thousands of resumes. So I think the first thing is you want to make sure your resume has a lot of keywords. Keywords are those functional skills or tools that you would use to get search results. And so in a database of 10,000 resumes, what keywords do I put in to narrow it down to, say, 50 that I can actually go and look at? Once I'm looking at a short list there, um, I want to see... Uh, some focus, some targeting, not just a generic resume, but something that says these are the kind of jobs I want because I'm trying to narrow it down. I can't meet and interview 50 people. I have to necessarily screen down to the best qualified you know, specialty candidates. Uh, and one of the things I look for in what helps you stand out is numbers. I want to see results and data, not just I performed IT tasks, I monitored networks, I managed a staff. Tell me, how many people did you manage? How, what percentage of time was your network running? How much money did you save the IT department? That kind of detail makes you look like an achiever, like, makes you look like one of the top performers, and that's what's going to get me to pick up the phone and call you.
1: One of the things you mentioned in that is keywords. And you're looking for keywords, but how do our listeners know what keywords to include in a resume so that it goes through that filtering process?
2: So, so thankfully, a lot of the keywords are right in the job description in most cases, when it says, here's what the person will be doing, and here are the required uh, skills or experiences. So if I'm looking for someone that's a software engineer, for example, I might be looking for Java or C++ or HTML or Python. If I'm looking for IT, it might be network security, some certification. So the words will often be in the job description. And I put it back to the candidates to say, okay, if you were going to find your resume in a database of thousands of resumes, you know, without using your name, how would you come up in a search result? So th- those are the keys to kind of getting to the short list. And um, the other resume tip that I give, which really isn't a resume tip is you want to follow up just in case you're not going through the search filters properly you want to connect with people in the company that can get your resume out of the database and onto the email of the hiring manager
1: all right so um jeff i really want to go into that whole um process of how you reach out to candidates um, D- tell me the the process. You, you've you done a, a search and you've got candidates' names popping up, probably a lot of them. And then what's the next step in the process?
2: So I'm going to contact them um, usually by email, sometimes by their mobile number to, to make an initial contact. I want to um, get a hold of them primarily to find out, you know, are you still available? Are you interested in the opportunity or multiple opportunities that I have and get some basic information. You know, are they willing to work in the location that I have? Uh, What what is the time frame where they could actually start working? Generally, how much money do they want? So I'm going to try to reach out based on the contact information on their resume and get the basic information before I spend a lot of their time or our time on on the, the process.
1: Um, we are going to take a quick break Um, when we come back I really want to dig deeply into that initial phone call Um, I'd like to share with our listeners what you're listening for as you ask those questions so if everybody will um, stand by we'll be back in just a few minutes and continue our conversation with Jeff on that very important initial um, contact with a recruiter
0: it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back. We were talking with Jeff Dunn, and right before the break, we were delving into what happens during that first conversation with a recruiter. And so, Jeff, you are picking up the phone and you are calling a candidate. And how would you like them to respond? I give our audience some tips on what makes a good impression with a recruiter during that first call. So
2: I, I like them to be prepared if, if they're, if you're not at, in a place where you can talk comfortably and you see a call coming in, you might let it go to voicemail and call me when you're at a desk in a quiet place where you can take some notes and maybe look at some notes of your own. Um, I want to understand do they know what they're looking for? Have they thought about what they'd like to do next if they're actively looking? Or if I'm uh, calling them and they already have a job, I'm trying to find out what would it take for them to consider another opportunity? So again, it's, well, I'm happy with what I'm doing, but if there was something I could get that would entice me, it would be title, money, location, responsibilities, different manager, whatever it was. So I love confidence. You were asking about, you know, bragging earlier. And I think confidence is is very compelling. It it shows that I can trust this person to hire them and they can take responsibilities. Um, I like that someone knows what they want. They're not just desperate to do anything. I like someone that can quickly articulate what are their strengths. I advise people to say, to be able to answer the question, Lorraine, give me three reasons I should choose you for this opening, and that focuses the mind very quickly on, I have the functional experience, I've got the tools, I've got the, the fit, the, you know, maybe a, a personality trait, and it, it, what's cool about being able to answer, um, give me three reasons to hire you, is it fits a lot of different questions. If someone says, tell me about yourself, or someone says, Why do you think you should be one of my top candidates? Or is there anything else I should know about you? That fits. It's an opportunity to sell yourself. And of course, you'll have examples to launch into.
1: Great. I just want to reinforce something Jeff said about making sure that it's good timing. Some recruiters just call out of the blue. And I always advise clients to, if it's not a good time, just say, "Um, this isn't a good time. Could I call you back? Let me have your number so that you can reconnect with the recruiter. And I had a client once who called me and said, you know, Lorraine, that advice about making sure it was a good time to talk. And I said, yeah. She says, well, I kind of ignored it. I was so excited. The recruiter called and then my kids started screaming and things started happening in the house. So I wound up hiding in my closet behind the clothes. So it was quiet. So I had this conversation with the recruiter and she said, you are so right. I should have just said, can I call you back? So, uh, Jeff made a couple of really important points, but but the I think the most important one is be prepared, and if you're caught off guard, it's okay. If you're driving down the freeway and it looks like it, a, a, a call from a recruiter, just let it go to voicemail. Um, uh, Jeff implied, you know, he he's interested in talking to candidates. He's going to um, take a call, a, re- a return call, or he's going to call back later, so um Again, don't blow that first chance by saying, oh, I've got to talk to somebody. And then with the background noise and you can't find your notes and you can't find your resume, it's um, just not a successful call. So,
2: And the other suggestion I would make is um, once you do get a call and you've had that conversation, a lot of times the recruiter will say, well, Lorraine, thank you for talking with me. I'm going to go talk to the hiring manager and if she's interested, we'll we'll schedule something. And then you never hear back. So it's important to say, Lorraine, thank you for uh, calling me. I'm really interested in this potential opportunity. When do you think I might hear back? And let's say the recruiter says two weeks. I say, Great. If I haven't heard back in two weeks, um, how can I follow up with you? And so then I'll get your phone number or your email and I can then have a way to contact you.
1: So, Jeff, they get through that initial screening. You've done a great job. You realize this is a good candidate. And then you're going to invite them on for an on-site, well, it used to be on-site, now it's on Zoom um, meeting. Well, who are they going to meet with first? You know, first round of interviews, who are they usually going to be talking with?
2: Well, they're, they're certainly going to meet with someone who can further screen them. It, it, companies have different levels of, of screening. If it's just a, an internship, they might just do a phone interview and make a decision. But if it's going to be two rounds or more, um, usually they'll have the hiring manager or one of the hiring managers leads do an initial conversation. If it's a technical position, it may be simply a short technical interview just to make sure you have the nuts and bolts to do that job. Uh, But the hiring manager is the one that's going to be working most closely with you in many cases. So they want to have a comfort level, both from your abilities functionally and a fit. You know, are they going to enjoy working with you 40 plus hours a week? Um, Usually another round, you'll have um, at least one peer level person that you'll be talking to and maybe one uh, person in a different department that would be uh, your customer and you would partner together in some way. So if you talk to a very senior person, they're looking high level. They're looking fit. It's all going to be behavioral. So usually you don't get to the second round unless you're one of the top two, three, four candidates. That's, that's really, you should feel confident because that's, that's the, the very final round in most cases.
1: And so I think that's important for our listeners to know is that not all interviews are alike. There's the initial interview, which may be conducted by a recruiter, sometimes by someone in human resources. And then it evolves usually, and I think what you're saying is an evaluation of technical skills, especially in, in an area that requires a lot of technical skills. And then the next level are, you know, are you going to fit into the team? Is that, is that what I'm hearing you saying? Yes.
2: Uh, uh, a well-structured interview team will will break down the responsibilities. Somebody will be responsible for technical functional skills. Someone will be responsible for uh, perhaps leadership and supervisory. And then someone else would be looking at uh, behavioral traits and, and the fit. So they're gonna segment the questions so they're not asking the same questions over and over again in, in a limited timeframe. Okay.
1: Now you and I both work with students um, and we know that they go into interviews sometimes thinking it's a test. But actually, I have mid-career folks who look at it as an interview as a test. What would you, um, what advice would you give them to kind of frame what an interview is all about, so that they can walk in prepared, both with their technical, knowing their technical skills, but also, be beginning to develop that relationship with the people that they could be working with. So there's
2: there's several different pieces. Let me break that down a little bit. Um, A student in particular is not expected to have a whole lot of experience. It's more about knowledge and potential. So I'm going to ask technical questions to see what the limits of their knowledge are. And it's okay if they can't answer everything. In fact, I may keep asking until they can't, just to see how much uh, knowledge slash uh, uh, background they have. I'm also going to be certainly asking them behavioral questions because I want there to be a good fit. I I think it's helpful for students to imagine that they're on an equal playing field. Don't think of it as, well, this is the employer and I'm just a lowly student. We need students as much as they need jobs. So consider it an equal partnership. Um, I'm looking to fill a job. You're looking to start a career. And your part of the interview is going to be you asking me questions. So it's important that you prepare a number of questions to show you're interested that you've done your homework and also to qualify, is this going to be a good match for you? Because it takes two sides to make a good match.
1: You know, um, Jeff, we use the term behavioral questions all the time, but my clients will say, well, what kind of behavior are they looking for? Do you want to give us just one or two examples of what a behavioral question is? Absolutely. So... I don't ask hypothetical questions
2: in interviews like, how would you handle this situation potentially in the future? A behavioral question means I'm looking for evidence of demonstrated past behaviors. So, for example, if I said, uh, Lorraine, can you give me an example of a time that you had to deal with a difficult customer? I don't wanna know how you might handle it in the future. I wanna know, have you actually had to deal with someone yelling at you, cursing at you, unhappy with service, and what did you do? So a behavioral question is kind of a three-parter. It might be, tell me about a situation or a time when you had a difficult customer. Tell me how you handled it. What exactly did you individually do? And tell me what happened. Tell me what the result was or what the final outcome was. So essentially, you're telling me a story. You're saying, here was the situation, here was the customer, here was why they were upset, here's what I did, and I calmed them down, I listened to them, I offered them alternatives, and then here was the result. They ended up being happy, they ended up thanking me, they calmed down, They everything was okay. And, I wanna, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, Jeff, go ahead. Hopefully you're choosing examples and stories in an interview where it was a positive outcome, where you're demonstrating your skills. You're the hero of the story. And you get to choose, of of all the things you've done, you may have five, six, seven really good stories that you try to work into the conversation because you know exactly how much money you saved, or you know that you turned around a bad relationship, or you know you completed a very large, complex uh, project.
1: I wanna reinforce something Jeff is saying people remember stories. Um, I've been on the, the interview panel side where I was doing the interviewing. And at the end of the day of interviewing 10 or 12 people, the other interviewers and I would remember the stories that people told us. Oh, remember the candidate who did what? So as you prepare for interviews, put those stories in context, the situation, the actions you took, the results you got, because that really will be what interviewers remember at the end of the day, at least that's for me. How about you, Jeff? Is that what you remember the stories? I absolutely remember stories. And the,
2: the biggest stressor for preparing for an interview is not knowing what they're, the interviewer is going to ask. So one of the suggestions I make is to have some stories prepared, somewhat rehearsed, because you can apply them to different examples. So if I worked on, let's say I worked on a project and I had uh you know, 10 people in the IT department, and we it was a nine month project, and we had a $2 million budget, and we finished three weeks early. Well, that story might be in response to a, an example about a big challenge, or a leadership team, or an obstacle, or a multitasking, and that story would fit different dimensions. So, the suggestion to your listeners is come up with five or six or seven kind of go to stories. Think about things you've done that you're really proud of, big projects, big things you've accomplished, uh, things you've accomplished where you know exactly what the result was in money or numbers or dollars, um, things that relate to the job that you're applying for, similar duties and situations, and then dealing with a difficult customer, manager, podcast host, anything (laughs) where (laughs) you have to resolve that situation. And those stories will be in your back pocket and and may actually be applicable when they ask you that tough question like, tell me about a time when you uh, achieved a goal or that a high goal was set for you and tell me how you achieved it. Or if you didn't achieve it, tell me what you learned from the process. And maybe one of those stories that you've prepared will fit that and you can just relax and tell the story.
1: Jeff. Great insights on what you'll be asked during an interview. Now there's another part of the interview where the candidate gets to ask questions. And I know when I work with folks who are going, even for that initial interview, the first salary, the first question they want to ask is what's the salary? How much will I get paid? And I totally discourage them from doing that. And in fact, I advise people to wait until an employer asks for an answer, but I'd really like to um, get your outlook on how to handle the whole salary issue and when to bring it up and, and how, how to respond? In most
2: cases, you want to let the employer bring up salary because you don't want them to think that's the only factor that's motivating you. Um, And when you do, when they do say, well, let's talk about salary, it's, it's much better to talk in ranges when you actually have to get to dollars uh, versus a single point. If you give them a single number, if you say, I need $80,000, if you're too low or too high, you're knocking yourself out of the consideration. But if you say, I'm looking for something in the seventy dollars to $90,000 range, depending on benefits, or I'm considering some other opportunities and they're in the eighty to 95000 range, then at least if the employer is somewhere in that total package range, you can continue the conversation.
1: All right. So that is the question to not ask. How about um, some ideas of questions you would like to hear a candidate ask, either at the end of your initial screening interview, or you know, at the um, different levels of interviewing? What are what kind of questions is it important for the candidate to ask?
2: Lorraine, I would highlight the fact that it's important to ask something, because if you ask nothing, it's going to sound like you have not done your homework or you're not interested. So it's very important that you have some extra questions ready to go in case you have extra time. Otherwise, that that can be a big concern. As far as the best things to ask, I love it when a candidate shows that they've done their homework. So if they say, I was noticing on your website that you're now into this new um, two-factor authentication security. What does that mean for the future of this IT department? Or um, I saw in the Wall Street Journal that you're now ramping up internationally. How does that tie into this position? So you demonstrate that you've done your homework and then you lead into a business-related question. I also like questions that look for um, the success in the job. So um, what will my duties be in the first couple of months? Or my favorite question is something like this, Um, Lorraine, if this works out and I end up being selected for the job, A year from now, when we're sitting down at my performance review, what would it look like if we've had an outstanding year? What exactly would we have accomplished together? So that shows an interest in success, an interest in how you measure success, and it also psychologically puts you in the picture.
1: That is an amazing question. I hope our listeners are writing that down, or if they haven't, they can listen to the replay of this because that's probably worth the entire hour to... um, just understand how you can use questions to draw attention to you and reinforce the fact that you are a top candidate. Um, We are going to take um, a quick break. Um, And when we come back, we are going to put Jeff on the spot and we are going to ask him for his secret tips for uh, a candidate being successful. So be prepared, Jeff, so that our folks that are listening we will understand how best to interact with a recruiter and how best to shine in the job search process. So um, short break, um, don't leave us. We'll be right back and continue this amazing conversation with Jeff.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America
3: TRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name, followed by the word Podcast.
1: Hey Alexa! Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast.
3: If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts.
0: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back. We're here with Jeff Dunn. And before we took this break, we promised that we were going to ask him for the secrets of a recruiter. Um, So Jeff, based on all your years of experience, what is the best advice you can give our um, listeners for being a top candidate?
2: I think you want to give recruiters and people that are looking for talent a reason to contact you. So give them a reason why you stand out. When it's whether it's on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, whether it's your uh, your 30-second uh, uh, commercial, your kind of your elevator speech when you first meet someone virtually or or in person, really promote what you're good at, what you like to do, what you can offer a potential employer. If you come off with confidence, uh, that's contagious. They're going to want to find out more. Give them a reason. Tell about your your successes, about what you enjoy doing, what your employers have said about you. Draw them in so that they're curious and they're interested based on what they see on paper or having a quick conversation with you that they want to continue the conversation.
1: Okay, Jeff, you you said that you would share with our audience, what do you do when a recruiter calls you and says, oh, I may have a possible job for you and they don't call you back? What do you do?
2: So if you've, if you've taken down their contact information, you have the capability of reaching back out to them, and you could say, wanted to follow up on our conversation from two, two weeks ago. I remain available and interested in the potential opportunity. Um, is there any additional information that I can provide to help move things forward? Or can you give an update on if the position is still available and what the, the next steps might be? So you get some information. So you're not holding out for this job that, you know, may get put on hold or, or may have been delayed for some reason. And you kind of know where you stand. And if it doesn't work out, you can thank them and tell them that if there's other similar positions. You'd love to hear about them. Um, and if they it is still available, maybe they need a writing sample or maybe they need to get your references or maybe they need to do a background check. So you will then have better information on how to move forward.
1: So Jeff, I think what I'm hearing you say is that if you don't hear from the recruiter, don't just let it drop. Um, reach out, take an opportunity to find out how you can help the recruiter hire you. Is that? Yeah, the, the, the
2: worst thing that has happened is they could say, sorry, we, we decided to go with another candidate. So don't worry, don't be fearful of a potential rejection. Reach out anyway, see what's possible, whether it's that job or a similar job. And um, even take the opportunity. Let's say it's a, uh, It's they're not going to make you an offer. See if there's anything you could have done better. Say you know to, to going forward. Is there anything I might have done better to highlight my qualifications? And take that feedback um, as you go into your next uh, potential opportunity.
1: Jeff, how would you feel about someone continuing to? connect with you. Let's say that, an, you know, obviously they're a top candidate, otherwise you wouldn't have called. It's not a good fit, but they see another job come up um, on the company website. Would you feel comfortable if they called and said, um, gee, Jeff, this job looks like a great fit for me. Can you give me any advice? Would you, would that be okay?
2: Absolutely. I'd be thrilled if, if I know that a good candidate is still available because I'm trying to make matches happen. I'm trying to bring good talent into the organization. So if, sometimes I have a job and I have two or three great candidates and I only have one opening. So if I can find slots for the other two, that's a win for everybody. So again, the worst they can say is no, that you're not a fit for this or you're not a fit right now, or I've got better candidates. That's okay. You want to stay top without being obnoxious. You want to stay top of mind in the recruiter's head for potential opportunities. So,
1: following up every couple of weeks, it's absolutely fine. And I think that plays into something, Jeff, you and I really believe works, and that's building your network. And having a recruiter as part of your network can really be beneficial. So um, I, I it's great advice. Fo- follow up. There's another topic that we talk about, informational interviews, and some of my clients go, oh, I, who who wants to talk to me? Why would they want to Talk to me. So, Jeff, I know you're both a a supporter of um, informational interviews and somebody who has been willing to meet with um, candidates. So why don't you share a little bit about how somebody would set up an informational interview and what what they should talk about during it? Certainly.
2: So an informational interview is where the candidate is asking the questions. And it's just as the name implies, they're trying to gather information. It's not necessarily for a particular job or trying to overly market your own talents. It's trying to gather data about whether you should knock on that employer's door or how people get started in particular fields. So you ask someone for um, an informational interview, it's probably over the phone these days, Um, put a time on it you know, 15, 20 minutes, probably no more than 30. And tell them you'd like to ask them about opportunities in the field or how people get started or good skills to have going into it. Just give them some sense of what you're going to be asking. Script out the questions. You are the one as the candidate who is asking the questions of the person you're talking to. Um, Be curious. You're a detective. You're trying to understand if this is a field, company, position that might be something that you would be interested in. Um, Because it's informational, you can ask um, about salary ranges, typical salary ranges in the field. Uh, One of my favorite questions is, how did you get started in this particular field? Because a lot of times people are in career change mode and they're not sure how to get in the door when they've been an analyst for so many years and now they want to be a project manager and they're not sure how to make that transition. Ask someone who's doing the job how they got started. And success leaves clues. There are different ways that you can map to a different career. Or if you're a student, how do you get that first job without any experience? Uh, The one reminder that's very important is an informational interview is not a job interview. So you don't ask for an informational interview as a backdoor to try to secure a job interview. That's considered very poor etiquette. And it'll be very offensive to the person that you're talking to. So they may say, hey, could you send me your resume? And you say, thank you. I, I, I'd love to. I'm, I'm doing some research right now. I may come back to you in a few weeks, but uh, this is purely to understand what the, what the landscape is. And truthfully, they may paint a picture of the company that you don't like. So that's okay. You've narrowed down your choices. You've found something you don't want. But it's really gathering information information. Getting your facts together, trying to figure out where would be the best door to knock on once you've gathered some more information.
1: And I'm just gonna um, add a, a follow up to that for folks that are doing informational interviews, make sure you send a thank you to the person that you met with. Again, you're building a network, but they've also given up some of their time for you. Um, those thank yous go a long way. I don't know about you, Jeff, but sometimes at the end of the year, the only thing I really save are my thank you notes because it makes me, it reminds me what I did
2: you know, there's only a very small number of people that write thank you notes and even fewer that do handwritten thank you notes. So it's, it's like, it's like a cover letter in the sense that it's not a make or break, but if there's any kind of tiebreakers, someone that takes the time and and the courtesy to do a thank you note, says a lot to me. It says they're interested. It says they care. It says they're courteous. And it's another opportunity to show off your writing skills and to Uh, restate your interest in the position.
1: Great. Um, Jeff, we end um, all of our interviews asking the person, our guest to share a five second challenge. We know that if people don't do something within five seconds of having an idea, they just won't take action. So what would you encourage our listeners to do in the five seconds after the show, as long as it's safe, they're not driving or something, um, but to help them start to prepare for a job search? I would say,
2: since we've talked about networking and how important that is, I would say take five seconds, uh, open your calendar, put a recurring appointment with yourself every Monday for 30 minutes to reach out to 10 people in your network or 10 you know, potentially new people. Check in with people you know, ask them uh, if there's anything that uh, you can do to help them, update them on your job search. If it's new people, introduce yourself to them. And then every Monday, you know, choose some different people, rotate some new people into the mix so that you're always meeting new people, expanding your network and touching base with your existing network to tell them how they can support you, what, where you are in your process. And, and just, you're wanting to stay in touch. If you're asking them for a potential favor, you know, if they, care about you, it's important that you stay in touch with them and you also offer to uh, help them out in a pinch.
1: Fantastic advice. Um, Jeff, you are one of the top recruiters I have ever met. In fact, you shared that you recruited over 400 people a year. Um, That's probably not your all-time high, but definitely an average. Uh, Tell us why you're such a good recruiter.
2: People have said that I really care about having a good experience for recruiting, and I, and, I, and I truly do. I think part of my success in, in recruiting, corporate recruiting for many years is, I, I find good candidates, I wanna make a good match. I don't just wanna place a candidate in a job, I want it to be mutually satisfying to the individual and to the company. Um, I work really well with hiring managers. I build that trust, I have a true partnership, I listen to their needs. Uh, I follow through on my commitments. Uh, So I want the candidate and the manager to have a good experience. And I take pride in how many jobs have I filled and are those people successful? Um, I like nothing more than being with a company and seeing someone that I hired a year ago get promoted. So as I'm looking at a new recruiting opportunity right now, I want to be with a company that is in, in a growth mode, that's looking to hire a lot of people and looking for it to be a, a, a positive experience for everybody that's involved with it.
1: Thank you, Jeff. And um, just to reinforce what Jeff said is that he was very clear about what he's looking for in his next opportunity. And so I'm hoping our listeners see that as a role model for how clear he was on what, what he brings to a job and you know what he's looking for. So Jeff, um, we've got just a couple minutes. Any, any last words you'd like to share with our audience? I think
2: it's important if you're in a job search or you're really kind of stuck and you say, I, I need to do something different. I'm not sure what that is. Take time every morning. Block out time to think about what you need to do to reach out to new people. Um, put yourself in a real positive mindset, whatever it is that makes you feel like you're at your best really put yourself, don't beat yourself up about what you can't do or haven't done yet. Think about who are you at your best and what skills do you have to offer an employer? And then um, when you have the opportunity to actually get an interview, take the time to prepare for it. Don't wing it. Don't try to come up with things off the top of your head. Research the company, prepare questions, prepare stories and successes and know your top three skills so that the interview itself is just, uh, restating what you've already you know, prepared.
1: Jeff, I, I want to take this one last opportunity to thank you for being the first guest on my podcast. For those of you who are listening on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform that lets you rate our show and leave comments, please let us know how we were doing. Career Central is committed to bringing practical career advice to you every week, and we need your feedback so that we can make that happen. A final reminder of the five second challenge and um, Jeff put it out to do it on a Monday. So as soon as you're off this show, spend some time, schedule time on your calendar that you're going to reach out and develop your network. So next week we will be talking more about strategies and techniques for developing and advancing your career until this time next week. This is Lorraine Beeman reminding you to take care of your career because you are the only one who's qualified to do it.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time and 11 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.
3: Thanks again for listening to the preceding.